Hospital Bulletin, and there's a spot on there. And just so you know, uh, it's a very, very simple form that you can fill out to send in a prayer request. Those go directly to me. Uh, and if it says to keep it with the elders, it will, and we'll take those and pray together. And uh, if not, uh, then I will send them over to Gene, and Gene will get them uploaded on the Echo Prayer app. So just so you know, that's how that works. So if you have a prayer request, please go ahead and uh, fill that out. We are studying the Lord's Prayer. And tonight, we're talking about the Lord's will, which, as I told you, is very intimately connected with uh, what we had seen just previously. But let's, let's start, as we have been, just by reading the Lord's Prayer together. And it is up on the screen, so hopefully you can see it there. All right. Let's all read this together. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So last week, we uh, talked about the kingdom of God, your kingdom come. And so here's where we are uh, this week, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we asked the question, why do we pray? Why do we pray at all? If God is sovereign, why do we need to pray? If God's going to go ahead and do what God's going to go ahead and do, then of what use are my prayers in that? Uh, so we asked that question. We talked about uh, the universal kingdom versus the redemptive kingdom. Do you remember that conversation that we had? So the universal kingdom is God rules and reigns over his creation, and there is no one who can rule and reign who is greater than God. So any king or power right? Uh, whether that be a spiritual power or an earthly power, there is absolutely nothing that is, has been, or will ever be that is greater than God himself. He is most powerful and he rules over all, right? Okay, so in one sense then, everything is already God's kingdom. But in another sense, there is a kingdom that you must enter into, and how do you enter into that kingdom? That is by means of faith. So when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we said three things. One, we pray that people would enter the kingdom. So we're praying for that, that God's kingdom would come and that people would enter into it. We want that. We pray that people would grow in the kingdom. So when God's kingdom comes, that we ourselves are growing to become, in a sense, worthy of that kingdom, as Scripture tells us. And then we also pray that Christ would consummate his kingdom, that he would bring everything into fulfillment as we just sang about together. So tonight, then, what are we talking about? Uh, we just continue on in the prayer, and it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the will of God is a, a funny concept, funny in a certain way. It's funny because it, it can open doors to a very big discussion. Uh, so what I'd like to do in our uh, kind of abbreviated time that we're going to have together tonight, we're going to talk about the will of God. There are some things that if you've been with us for any period of time, 
You have heard some of these concepts before. I'm going to attempt to explain a couple of these things, maybe in a way that I haven't before, that as I was looking at them, I, I think there might be a way to say some of these things in a way maybe that's more helpful. So, um, First of all, the will of God is something that a person can do or not do, right? Um, the will of God is something that a person can either do or a person cannot do. And for that reason, someone might say, I've been really struggling with this because I don't, I don't, what, 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 would, what is God's will for me in this situation? Right? Because you know something. You know that it's possible for you to not do God's will. Right? But in another sense, entirely, you know that nothing you do can mess with God's will. You know both things are true. So when we say your will be done, what is it that we're actually asking for? And I think it's really helpful that we maybe clarify what it is that we're praying for when we say your will be done. Um, so just two ver uh, references before we really get into our conversation. Matthew 7, Matthew 7, 21. Because we're in the book of Matthew, right? In the Lord's Prayer. Um, what has been said about God's will so far in the book of Matthew that the reader, remember this was written to be read. So a reader then coming previous to verse seven would have already, uh, or would have, would have, would, excuse me, would be reading something that they would already have read in chapter six. So in chapter six, we have the Lord's prayer. And in chapter seven, we have another thing said about uh, the will of God. So it says in Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's the kingdom. Remember, we talked about the kingdom last week, but listen to what it says next. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So there is an intimate relationship between the kingdom of God and the will of God. Because it is only those people who do God's will who enter into the kingdom of God. So then we should say, well, I want, to be one of, I want to be one of those people. I want to be the person that does God's will. So it makes us as believers concerned with the fact that we do God's will. What is God's will? I want to be one who does God's will. What is God's will? That's a big question. So we're going to answer it. You know, I, I used to answer this in, in, in really like three ways but we're just going to answer it in two. I think two categories is better than three. Uh, so we're going to talk about this in two categories. So there is first, two categories of the will of God, two categories of the kingdom of God, two categories, the will of God. So understanding categories helps us. The first category of God's will is this. God's plan and what he ordains, also known as God's secret will. Known by who? Known by people who talk about it, Right? The Bible does not say uh, these particular words. We're, we're taking what Scripture says about the will of God, and we are saying here is how this part of God's will necessarily works, and I'm about to give you a bunch of references, but not yet. I would summarize this by saying all things that come to pass are the will of God. He either actively ordains or passively allows each and every 
uh, event throughout all time. So anything that has been was the will of God. He either actively ordained it or he passively allowed it, but there is absolutely nothing that ever has happened or ever will happen that is not the will of God. So you might be asking though, but you just said that I can do something that's not the will of God. Right. If we have proper categories, we don't have an issue with this. So first category though is this. There is something that God does that is part of his secret counsel in his own mind. That is, God does not see time as we see time. God sees time perfectly and in the same way all the time. So he sees 10 minutes from now the same way he sees now, right? He sees 10 decades from now the same way he sees now, the same way he sees 10 decades ago. God sees all of time. He sees everything and he sees it perfectly. We think in linear terms. We think of what just happened, and it's kind of a shadow because it was in our past. We don't remember the past very well, especially me. I don't remember the past very well. But then we got the future. I can't see the future at all. Now, there are a couple things God has told us about the future that I can be certain of, but I don't know when they're going to happen. I don't know what that looks like. But God knows all these things perfectly. And within that, there is never anything that has happened. There is never anything that will happen. And there is nothing happening now currently that is not the will of God. How do we know that to be true? Well, a few passages, and I, I think it's only, uh, uh, I don't know, helpful to start in the book of Isaiah. Let me just show you this from the book of Isaiah. For the, all the references are on the screen that I'm going to give you tonight, so you can write those down. I'm going to read them for you. Isaiah 14, 26, and 27. Just listen to the language here about God's will and about how he operates in his creation, which is his kingdom, right? In a universal sense, this is his kingdom. All, all, everything is his kingdom, and he will do whatever he wants to do, and he does do whatever he wants to do. And when he acts, there is no one who can mess with his plan. He always does what he wants to do, and no one can tell him no. That's part about being a king who is absolutely perfect and sovereign. That he does whatever he wants to do and no one can tell him no. So Isaiah 14, 26 and 27, it says, This is the purpose that is purpose concerning the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed. Who will annul it? His hand is stretched out. Who will turn it back? So when God purposes to do something, who or what can say, no, you can't do that? No one. No one and nothing can tell God no. That's good news, by the way. That's really good news because God is good and he has good purposes always because he's perfect. Isaiah 45, 7, I form light and I create darkness. I make well-being, listen, and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Because you've already been thinking, but what about the bad stuff that happens? Is that God's will? In one sense, yes. In another sense, no. We just have to have proper categories when we say will of God. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none other. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. Now, how can you do that? 
How can you clear the end of something from the beginning of it unless you will be able to perfectly see that thing through and you know nothing can stop you? That is the only way that you can declare the end of something from the beginning because you know that you're going to make it happen. There's, nothing's going to get in my way. We like to declare the end of our day or our week or whatever it may be from the beginning. Here's what I'm going to do this week or here's what I'm going to do today. Does that ever happen? Does it ever happen? It never happens. It never happens the way we want it to, but for God, never has it happened that something has not happened the way he intended it to happen. That's good. That is good news. Okay. Um, Oh, I have to finish that verse. So declaring the end from the beginning, uh, ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purpose. That's good. Psalm 33, 10 and 11. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Proverbs 16, 4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose. Now, this is important. Listen to what this says. Even the wicked for the day of trouble. The Lord has made everything for its purpose. He's got a plan for it. He's got a purpose for it. He has an intention. He has a will. Even the wicked for the day of trouble. The day of whose trouble, by the way? That's interesting to think about. The trouble for the wicked or the trouble for other people because of the wicked? I think it's the trouble for the other people because of the wicked. So God has even created the wicked people for wicked things, and you're going to feel the effects of that. Um, Yeah, because talking to Israel, they understood that. What about all these people who oppress us and rage and war against us? Yeah, I created them too for that purpose. Ephesians 1.11, in him we have ordained, uh, excuse me, not ordained, obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all uh, all things according to the counsel of his will. That's Ephesians 1.11. Okay, that's pretty clear, isn't it? That's a really brief survey of just some powerful passages on the fact of, 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 of God's sovereignty and his will. If God intends to do something, he's going to do it. There are a lot more passages and concepts and stories that speak to this. Okay, we got to move on. Second category. All right, I'm trying. Who just laughed? So uh, second category, though. So first category, nothing ever happens or will ever happen that is not the will of God. True statement. The other statement is this, is that things happen all the time that are not God's will. So in this sense, then, we have God's approval in what he commands. This is God's revealed will. So we have God's secret will, that is what he will do, what he intends, what he has planned, what he has ordained, which we don't know. So I give the example, is it God's will that I marry this person? Or is it God's will that we have another baby? Is it God's will that I take this job? Is it God? I don't know. If it happens, then it was God's will. But if you're asking me, is it God's will in this sense? Well, we can talk about it and you can pursue it because it's God's will. And if it is God's will in the other sense, then it will come to pass. Hopefully that'll make sense if it doesn't already. So in this sense, then, all creation is commanded to obey God's will. But many break God's will. Uh, They've not been given permission to do so. So here's what we mean. God has said, 
do this. Bow to me as the sovereign king of the universe. Here are my commands. Here is what I say you must do, how you must think, how you must operate. Right? The king has given orders. Does everyone bow to the orders of the king? Does everyone serve him properly? So in other words, they are not following or obeying his will. Right? So there are two categories that we have to separate. There is the will of God where he actively does something, but then there's another category, the will of God, where he commands people to obey, but he has given freedom for them to either obey or not obey. Okay? I see a few head nods. I don't know if you're with me or not. Romans 1. I'm going to give you some examples from Scripture. Here's some references. Romans 1, 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because he has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So, the result of that is they are all without excuse. In other words, if I could paraphrase, there is a sovereign, divine king, and he has made himself known. And for every single person who denies him as king and does whatever they want, they are without excuse. So the wrath that is coming on them is very much deserved. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 5. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever uh, has suffered in the flesh have ceased from sin, so uh, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So if you're looking at that text with me, what it's saying is, arm yourself with this way of thinking. Um, Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So now you're going to live the rest of your time no longer in the flesh following human passions, but instead you're going to live your life following the will of God. So do you see how those two things are opposed to each other? So you either live for your own self and your own passions and your own pleasures, or you live for the will of God. So which are we doing? Am I living for myself? Living for yourself, you've got to see that If you're living for yourself, you have made yourself the sovereign king of the universe. You live for you, right? You make the rules, you bow to the rules. You say, I want to do that, so you do it. You make your own rules. You're your own king. And so you're not then bowing to the true king when you do what you want to do. But when you do what he wants you to do, you're bowing to his will, right? Does that make sense? Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So what is the will of God? Those things that according to God are good, acceptable, and perfect right? Okay, so it's something that we can discern. That is, what has God commanded? 
So like when I said, is it, it, is it right for me to marry this person? Is it God's will that I marry this person? Well, in what sense? In the sense of God's revealed will? Well, let's see what God's word has to say about marriage. What's this relationship like? Is it according to what God has revealed in his revealed will? And is all that good? Then yes, it is God's will. But if you're asking me, is it God's will that you will be married to this person? Nobody knows. I don't know. But is it God's will that you pursue this person? Sure. And is it God's will that you marry them? I don't know. We'll find out. I'm, I'm trying to make that category distinction for all of us because something can be God's will and yet at another time, not God's will and it be the same event. Okay, two very clear examples. Maybe I'll just give you one for the sake of time. Best one, easiest one, the crucifixion. Okay, is it God's will that anyone murder another person unjustly and torture them? Right? I mean, is is there ever justified torture? But if you're if you're you know if you're going to kill a person, um, is that something that God would have you do? Take a man who is innocent, tell everybody that he's guilty, and then murder him publicly. Does God want that to happen? Is that God's will? No. That's pretty plain when even in the Ten Commandments it says, "Do not murder." Right. So it's not God's will that a person be murdered, correct? In another sense entirely, was it God's will that Jesus was murdered? Yes. So the crucifixion is both the will of God and not the will of God at the same time, right? So hopefully you followed that. There are lots of stories like that uh, throughout Scripture where uh, so another one, I, I just, I have to reference it because we're in Isaiah, uh, Assyria, right? Uh, Isaiah chapter 10. So when Assyria comes, they are coming to kill God's people, right? Bad, bad, bad. It's, the Assyrians are bad. They literally put hooks in their captives' noses to lead them away, literally did that. To the people that they would capture and plunder, they would put hooks in their nose and lead them away to Assyria. Bad people. And who created them and who sent them to Israel? God did. And he said, the rod that is in their hand coming on you is my fury. but woe to Assyria for what they do. So it is God's will, but it is not God's will at the same time. If we have the proper categories, we can understand that. Okay? We'll talk about this more, about that, as we go through the Lord's Prayer and as we talk about these things. Um, so in the killing of Jesus, was it God's decree Yes. Was it according to his revealed will, according to his commands? Uh, no, God has not given approval that you do that, but yet it was done. Will of God, not the will of God at the same time. Uh, that's called? Where are you at, Katie? Katie, what's the word? Starts with a C. <laughs> Katie, you were just found out. 
when something is both the will of God and not the will of God at the same time, it's called concurrence. That's right, concurrence. I knew you knew it because we talked about it not too long ago. Concurrence. Okay, so what does it mean then? This is where we needed to go. We had to create these two categories in order to answer this question. Um, Yeah, so go to that next slide, Jimmy. Uh, Yeah, there's my references I had if you're interested in in those. Uh, We want to eventually, though, get to the question, what does it mean when we ask for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Um, Because we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. How? How your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will done in heaven? Is God's will done in heaven any more perfect than it's done here on earth? Or is God's will done perfectly everywhere all the time, no matter what? So why are we praying for God's will to be done if God's will is going to be done? It's because we're not talking about that category. We're talking about the other category. We're talking about people being obedient because on earth as it is in heaven, how is God's will done in this other category in heaven? Perfectly. All the angels of God are giving him perfect reverence. There is no sin in heaven, correct? Anyone and anything that is in heaven is there in perfect obedience to God, right? And God's will is followed perfectly in heaven. And so when we pray, we are not praying, Lord, ordain what you're going to ordain and don't let anybody stop you from ordaining it. That's not what we're praying. We're praying, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because as it is in heaven, everyone that's in heaven is submitting to your will willingly from the heart always. Is that the way it is currently done on earth? No. Everyone is not submitting to the will of God willingly from the heart. But that's what we want. We want everyone submitting to the will of God willingly, and I have lots of passages that help us to understand that, but I'm not going to read them, okay? Uh, okay, maybe I'll just pick my favorite one. Revelation 4, 8 through 11. How about that? And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and, and within, and day and night they never cease to say, what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the, the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever ever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord, O God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So what is this picture? that everyone in heaven is falling down before the throne of the great king and they're doing it from the heart and they're doing it always. That is not currently what we see on earth is that we are all not currently obeying God's perfect will always, but that is what we desire, yes? So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because in heaven, everyone is willingly giving themselves to you, but on earth, not the case, but that's what we want. We want everyone bowing before the great king here on earth just as they are in heaven. Does that make sense? So when we pray, uh, yeah, last slide here. Here's what we said about when we pray. When we pray, we submit our wills to God's will. This is what we said last time. 
we submit our wills to God's will, humbling ourselves before him as the sovereign king of the universe. And in turn, God uses our prayers to bring about his sovereign purposes. And when we pray for God's will to be done, we are asking that the will of all creation would willingly bow to the will of God. So I hope all that came together, talking about the kingdom of God and the will of God and how they work together in their proper categories. So when we pray, Lord, let this happen if it is your will, is that a good thing to pray? Hmm? It's not a trick question or anything. What do you think? Is it a good thing to pray? When we're praying and we say, Lord, I, let this happen. I, this, is what I want. this is what I want. With all my heart, this is what I want. But you know what? Your will be done, not my own. Is that a good thing to pray? Huh? Yes. Okay. I, I just want to be sure that, yes, Jesus prayed that prayer, by the way. So it's okay. If he can pray it, we can pray it. That's good. And we should. We desire that the will of God be done. But when we pray that prayer, do you know what we're actually praying? Lord, your secret will be accomplished regardless of what my heart wants in this moment, right? Because I might be praying, what if all of our prayers were heard? We'd be in, that'd be a mess. We don't want all our prayers to be heard. We don't want all our prayers to be answered because we don't know what we're doing. We, we don't know how to make plans. We don't know how to do this stuff, but God does. God has a perfect will. And so when we pray, we're submitting our will to his, Right? So when we pray, Lord, this is what I want. I see it in scripture. It seems like such a good thing. How could this not be a good thing? How could you not answer this prayer? Because sometimes the will of God is not the will of God. That's how. And hopefully that makes sense to you. All right? Let's pray. Lord, uh, I, I pray that as we talk about these things tonight and uh, just in a short time together, I I realize that was a big topic, uh, but we're talking about prayer ultimately. And uh, J Jesus taught us how to pray, and we are to pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what that means to us is, if we're not walking away with anything else, what we want is for our own hearts to be bowing to you and to always be wanting to know, is this something that you would command? Is this something that you desire? And if it's not, that we don't do it because we don't want to do something that's out of step with your will. But not only do we desire it for ourselves, we desire this for our church, we desire this for our world, that we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, we want everyone to be bowing to your will. Why? Because you are worthy of glory and honor. And we want everyone, including ourselves, yes, to give you the glory and honor that you are due. And we pray this in Jesus' name together. Amen. Well, that's probably worthy of